the volume. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. I bet on FanDuel as often and as comfortably as I possibly can. It is America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. There are fast payouts in as quick as two hours. So many bet types. Same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures, and so much more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. We've got a great show for you this week. Al Bernstein, the Hall of Famer, Showtime Boxing. He joins me to run through all the news of the week from Demetrius Andre's decision to move up in weight, rumors swirling about Anthony Joshua taking step-aside money, Gary Russell Jr.'s future. Plus, are we going to see Gervonta Davis in the ring with a top fighter at lightweight in 2022. Stick around for that. Great conversation with Al Bernstein. A little bit later on, Trevor Bryant, the WBA's regular heavyweight champion. He is in action this weekend on a pay-per-view undercard. Trevor Bryant is undefeated, but he is largely untested and relatively unknown. I talked to him about that and how he can inject himself into the mix with the other top heavyweights. As always, best way to support this podcast Get over to Apple Podcast, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to the show. All right, joining me this week is the great Al Bernstein, longtime boxing journalist, Showtime boxing analyst. You can catch him on the Showtime telecast, Showtime pay-per-views, everywhere there is Showtime boxing. Al, how are you, man? Thanks for joining me. Good, good. Uh, so I got a bunch of stuff I want to get into with you. It's a interesting time in boxing as we head towards as we head towards kind of fight season. You know, you guys at Showtime had a fight last weekend with Gary Russell Jr. against Mark McSai. I want to get into that. Of course, February, March, usually pretty busy months 
in boxing. But something I reported on this week, I wanted to get your take on. Demetrius Andrade, the WBO middleweight champion, intends to vacate his title and move up to 168 pounds. Andrade, of course, has been a world champion at 160 since late 2018. He's well known to have had a lot of problems securing a big fight. So his plan, as far as I've been told, is to vacate, move up. Uh, They're trying to secure a fight with Zach Parker, which would the winner would become the mandatory for one of Canelo's belts at 168. So let's start there. Your take on Andrade moving up, and I guess his legacy over the last three years at 160. Yeah, it's intriguing. You know, um, you've reported extensively on on him and how difficult it's been in the middleweight division for him to get the, the fights he wants against some of the top fighters. The interesting thing about him moving up to 168, I don't think a lot of people thought of him ever as a 168-pound fighter. I, I, you know, he may well be able to compete well in that, at that division, but that's not where people kind of thought he was at. They thought middleweight would be the... The, the place for him. Uh, and the Parker fight would certainly be an interesting one. And especially if a win lines him up in theory for one of Canelo's uh, belts. And I'm guessing what they figure is if he beats Parker, he could be on the list for Canelo after whatever Canelo does in May, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, and I, you know, it's a move born, I guess, out of what they thought were what they think are the best business opportunities, which is what boxers, you know, end up doing. It'll be interesting to see how well Andre does at 168 pounds. Um, You know, he's not a powerful puncher. He's a really good fighter, obviously, um, and very skilled. Yeah. The, the impetus, I guess, for doing this was that there was a purse bid scheduled for Friday right. for Andre to defend his title against uh, Genebeck. Not going to say his last name because I'll butcher it. So he, he, <laughs> he didn't, and Andre did not really want to go through with that. He's yeah. been facing effectively mandatory after mandatory or a fighter like that for the last three years. It was Jason Quigley, then it was Liam Williams. He's been going that route, and it didn't really interest him to do that, especially since there were really no guarantees that he was going to get a Canelo, a Golovkin, a Munguia, yeah. one of the guys, Jamal Charlo, of course, one of the guys he's been chasing for the better part of the last few years. I, you know, when I think of the last three years with Andrade Al, and I've done every one of his fights over at DAZN, it's just disappointing. Like, it, you know, oftentimes we, we, we see reasons why fights don't get made, whether right. it's because there are promotional issues or network issues or money issues. Like Andrade had a title. He had real money behind him. He had fighters... On his, quote, side of the street, whether it was Golovkin, Munguia, somebody else, that were available on the other side of the street. You had Jamal Charlo fighting the same level of unknown fighters as he would. And, like, I've been – I'm officially – Al, this will be the first time I say this. I'm getting off the Andrade Charlo train. I'm getting (laughs) off. I am now off the Andrade Charlo. I have been broken, Al. I am a broken man. For your own mental mental health, Chris, I'm happy to hear this. Only only for that, your cause may have been a good one, but you know the the for your mental health, I'm happy. You know it is frustrating. And listen, it's probably the classic one of the classic cases, as you point out. There were some fighters that could have been available to him, some that were stretches because of the boxing business model. 
Um, but the idea that we didn't get to see him against any of those people in middleweight is distressing because he's very talented. And, and so it's one of those, you know, this is the frustration with boxing. Listen, boxing is making a lot of fun matches and a lot of good matches, some of which we'll talk about. But because certain matches can't be made, it's always frustrating for boxing fans. Yeah, well, I, st I sit before you a completely broken man on that count, Al. I'm, uh, I'm going to go curl up and cry and, and pour one we're gonna out. Have to get, we're going to have to get you therapy I'm going to pour I'm one out for sure. Andre for sister until, until they're both at 168 when I will climb back on the train uh, once again. Then you can get back on that wagon. Uh, all right, that's good. So don't, don't, don't you know, don't, uh, don't count that out i won't despair i won't despair all right let's talk about the fight that you called this past weekend gary russell jr against mark megsayo uh megsayo wins by close decision um i wasn't surprised al that megsayo won only because like gary russell was doing everything but say he was probably gonna lose beforehand like when he was like you know it's been a tough training camp my father he lost his foot he wasn't able to train me in the way he's trained me in the past. I was basically training myself. Then he reveals an injury. Doesn't say what the injury is, but said it was there. Then he talked about the layoff, like two years off. I mean, everything leading up to that was screaming that this uh, should be an upset. And I give Gary credit. He went in there knowing he was hurt. He fought right. bravely. He fought with one hand. I thought he lost a little bit more lopsided. He certainly didn't give Meg Sayo a boxing clinic, which is what he told Jim Gray in the ring afterwards. But... I give him credit for for fighting through the pain and lasting the full twelve rounds, uh, but he doesn't pull it out. So give me your your reaction to the way Russell fought, and I guess where he goes from here. There are many story. I think there are many layers to this fight that are that are kind of interesting. You know, you touched on some of them, and well well put. You know, it is true that his that his. Um, the things he said before the fight were kind of foreshadowing the fact that, hey, this might not work out perfectly for me. And these are the reasons. The interesting thing is I have a rule that I have never bet on a fight in my life. I don't bet on fights very much anyway that I have announced. It is a hard and fast rule. I think it's totally inappropriate for any sportscaster to ever bet. I agree. If I was a betting man at the odds they had, I would have bet on McSyle because of these things you're talking about. Um, I, you know, the, Russell did fight with guile and grit. And there's no question about that. And probably made and gave himself at least a chance in this fight with those things. Mark McSyle fought the dumbest fight you could possibly fight. Now, that's on him. And God bless Freddie Roach. I love him like a brother. He's a Hall of Fame trainer. Sorry, it's on you too, Freddie, because... They had a one-armed fighter in front of them. The way you fight a left-hander to begin with is move to your left, throw double left hooks and straight right hands, period. End of sentence, end of paragraph, right? He has all those weapons, McSyle. Uh, he didn't do any of that. He moved to, as Abner Morris pointed out, he moved to the right for the whole fight. He, was, he had less volume than he should have. So he allowed Russell to have a chance in his fight. Uh, I think you're probably right that, I mean, I think Russell probably lost the fight. I didn't score every round. Uh, it seemed like McSyve did enough to win more rounds than him. And, and again, Russell was limited to only his left hand. Uh, 
we are we know fighters have gone into fights with injuries before. It's very seldom they tell you they're injured. Usually they deny that they're injured, right? They say, no, I'm not, I'm okay. Um, so that was different. That's what gave this a different dynamic. And Gary Russell's future is, listen, he gets healthy again. We know he's one of the best featherweights in the world. He would say the best, and maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But clearly if he can get healthy again, we should see him back in the ring. The problem, of course, as is well-documented, even though he's, the irony is, and the weird part of this is, he said before the fight, I want to fight three times this year. Well, it is odd that he said that in retrospect, given the fact that he had a shoulder injury. Um, but I give Gary Russell all credit for, as you did, for getting through this fight and giving himself at least a chance to win. It's a testament to his boxing skills. Yeah, um, you know, for Russell, I'm curious to see how long this injury shelves him. He talked about it being an old injury, right. which does suggest there could be surgery in the offing. Right. And if it's an old injury, it takes a while. Like shoulder injuries are legit. Um, it could take him many months. I mean, I wouldn't Indeed, be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, Al, if this is the last we see of Gary Russell this year. Um, you know, given you know, how much possible. time to recover and how he doesn't he doesn't necessarily run into fights that, that often. He's not no. like out there seeking them out. So um, I think he's going to have to come out of his comfort zone a little bit to get back into the mix among the top right. fighters. He's 33. I still think he has the talent to be a top guy, but you're going to have to reclimb the ranks a little bit. You don't have that title anymore. And Mark McSire doesn't owe you anything. You know, I know Sean Gibbons is like, yeah, we'll give him a rematch. But he doesn't owe you anything. And, and frankly, like Magsayo, if he winds up facing Ray Vargas in his next fight, which the WBC is suggesting, he might lose that fight. Like, I mean... He Right. Mark McSyle, listen, Mark McSyle is a talented young fighter, but the Vargas fight is a very dangerous fight. Ray Vargas could beat anybody in his weight class, mm -hmm. including Russell, including anybody, because he's so tall and so um, long and fights so smartly and fights his style so um, perfectly. So, yes, it's going to be a tough fight for McSion. Now, McSion is a lot more powerful than Vargas, and he will feel, and Freddie Roach and him, and I know I'm, I said a negative about Freddie, but he's a great trainer, of course. They're going to try, and they're going to work very hard on figuring out a game plan that will allow McSion to use his power uh, against Vargas. But you're right. That's a dangerous fight as well. Very good fight. Very good fight. So we'll see what happens uh, with that, Where, when and if Gary Russell uh, ultimately returns. All right, I want to get your take on what's going on in the heavyweight division. Right now, Tyson Fury uh, maybe sort of might fight Dillian White. They can figure that out and never get to a purse bid. We've got Anthony Joshua maybe sort of might fight Alexander Usyk in a rematch if they can figure out some of the details there. Looming over all of this are the reports that there have been offers extended to both Dillian White and Anthony Joshua to step aside so Fury and Usyk can fight for the undisputed heavyweight championship. Now, let me couch this question, Al, by saying I've talked to enough people in Fury's orbit. Nobody's really sure where all that money's coming from. Like, there's like, there's $20 million out there for Anthony Joshua. Well, who is putting that up? Because Fury Usyk, I mean, if it's in the UK, it's not some, it's a big moneymaker, but it's, I don't know if it's big enough to be able to shave $20 million off the top and hand it to Anthony Joshua and hand whatever million off to Dillian White, but putting that aside for a second mm -hmm. and focusing on Anthony Joshua, given what happened in the Usyk fight, and let's just say there's 15 to $20 million on the table for him to step right. aside. In your mind, would it be wise 
for him to take that, or should he go straight into a fight with Usyk? Well, that that is the sixty-four thousand question. He takes a PR hit in a way, in quotes, right, for doing it. But that's a lot of money to simply wait to fight somebody else, obviously. Listen, I think from a fan standpoint, either way it works out is okay for the, I I think it's not terrible for the fans. I think Fury White's an interesting fight. And the rematch of Joshua Usyk is certainly certainly interesting because we want to see, can Joshua do better in this? Can Usyk even do better? He claims he can even do better as heavyweight. But of course, probably the majority of the fans at this juncture, if you if you took a poll of all boxing fans, probably seven out of 10 would say they'd rather see the Fury-Usyk fight, right? I mean, they would probably say, well, that piques my interest right now at this moment more because of what we've seen. Um, you make the very interesting point, and it is worth at least again mentioning that business-wise, it's hard to understand where that $20 million comes there's from. There's no like Middle Eastern sultan out there ponying up the cash. Like there's no, yeah. as far as I know, there's no possibility of a Saudi return for uh, right. the heavyweight That title. would be the only thing, right? Yeah. That would make you think that kind of money's floating around there. So we don't know what to make of that. Uh, I, the only thing I can say is I hope that it gets sorted out as soon as possible for everyone, for the fighters, for the fans, so that we can move forward with this. Here's the one, you know, I'm always, sometimes I'm criticized for being too rosy, but at the very least, (laughs) although sometimes I'm criticized for the opposite, so I guess, I don't know. But (laughs) go figure, Chris, people can- Always happens, shocking, shocking that's the case. (laughs) Exactly, but I, you know, at least we're, we're talking about the heavyweight division and interested in their matches. Four years ago, not so much, right? We weren't, it, maybe five years ago. So that's good. That's a, a good thing that we have these heavyweights that we're interested in and that both of these fights, if whichever, if both, two, both of those fights come about or they smoosh the Usyk Fury one together, either way, fans will have something interesting and fun to, uh, to root for. So among the reasons I think Joshua should strongly consider the step aside money, if it's there, is that unlike in 2019, there's a measure of control that he'd have over getting a shot at the winner of Fury Usyk. Like when it was suggested that Joshua should step aside for Ruiz Wilder in 2019, that was a dangerous game because then you're talking about maybe getting back on the hamster wheel with Deontay Wilder and who knows how long it would take for a fight that never came to fruition to actually happen if he stepped aside for that. Like, we kind of know that the winner of Fury Usyk is going to run towards an Anthony Joshua fight. There's too much money, and Fury wants a legacy fight. Usyk will fight anybody. He's shown that uh, over the last couple of years. So I like that. And look, if you're AJ, let's say $15 to step away, you can take a comeback type of fight against maybe somebody that fights like Usyk, somebody smaller, a a blown-up cruiserweight, uh, who isn't as dangerous. Maybe you can learn a couple of things. If you're bringing in somebody new to your team, that gives you a chance to work out some of the kinks with that uh, that trainer. So I, I don't know. Like it, it, to me, if that money's there, I take it. Pretty pretty much cut and dry. If the money, if it's fifteen twenty million dollars, I take it and I gear myself up for let's say a December, January, whatever it may be, showdown with either Joshua or with the Fury or Usyk. 
Well, those are the compelling, those are compelling arguments for him doing it. And, and I think there's logic there. If he feels that he can make all that happen, if the money's there and he can, and you are make, also make an interesting point about the fact that he's changing trainers. He's going to a different team, a fight, to get him ready for a tougher fight wouldn't be the worst thing on the planet, clearly. Uh, and, and of course, he doesn't know if he'd be facing Fury or Usyk, so he's not sure what style to fight um, because he could presumably he's going to fight the winner of that. But either way, a fight for him that could get him ready again to, to battle a top fighter with a new trainer is not a you know, isn't a terrible idea. It will be interesting. Of course, he will face a huge backlash if he if he does take step aside money, just because that's what happens now in our society. Like to those world. to those people out, like to those people, be like, you wouldn't take fifteen million to just do nothing. Like, right. give me a break. I like, believe they would. Yes, I would. Yeah, I, would. Would. <laughs> I think if somebody said to us, if we step aside uh, from three broadcasts for twenty million dollars and then we we'll come back. <laughs> Would we do it? Yes, I believe we probably would. I will, I'm pretty I, sure. Well, in your case, that would be less than you're getting for the three fights. So it wouldn't yeah, matter. Right. Okay. But in my case, you know, it would, you know, hey, I would mean, be it would mean something. I would be on a beach in some Caribbean island for that period of time. <laughs> there's there's no doubt uh, about that. All right, let's talk about a fight that was announced this week that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, he had oh, to drop yeah. out of his fight against Chocolatito Gonzalez. Estrada contracted COVID. A third fight between Estrada and Chocolatito was highly anticipated, but the save is pretty good. Julio Cesar Martinez, 112-pound oh. champion, is going to move up and face Chocolatito on the same date, March 5th. I, I think Estrada Chocolatito 3 is a tremendous fight, Al. This fight might actually in the ring be better. Like it it could be all out war. It probably will be all out war between a Mexican yeah. brawler in yeah. in Martinez and Chocolatito right. who has never been in a bad fight uh, in his life. So I, when I saw the announcement I'm like, you know, I kind of like the new fight a little bit better than the old. What did you think? I I think this says all you need to know about about A Chocolatito and B the fighters in that general weight class, okay? That God bless every one of them for fighting the toughest competition. Now, of course, somebody would argue the cynic would say they have to because that's the only way they can get big money. Well, yeah, but you know, forget about that for a second. There, for Chocolatito to take this challenge in the as the replacement, which keeps it, as you point out, a destination fight to watch. You know, it's very, very exciting. Uh, you know, as you point out, uh, an all-out aggressive brawler against an older fighter who still showed in his last couple of fights that he has so much left in the tank. He is, and 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 has, and he's a volume puncher. Martinez is not so much a volume puncher, but a power puncher. So you have that kind of dichotomy going on. Uh, I, I, you know, I was super looking forward to the first fight and as you point out i'm looking forward to this one almost as much as the first one you know i'm curious to get your take on this like the smaller fighters they very rarely are elite in the way chocolatito's been elite um right. as he gets a little bit older there are examples of course of guys yeah. that have aged really well i mean hell nonito donaire is the greatest i mean he's dropped yeah. down to bantamweight right. and is kicking everybody's ass at this point um but 
Like one reason I'd, I'd be optimistic if I was Martinez that I can win is that I kind of got the sense, and Sergio Mora said this at the time, and I think he's right. Like against Estrada, could that have been Chocolatito's last stand? Like could that have right. been when he kind of emptied the tank against Very a younger, possible. bigger, stronger fighter? I thought he won that fight. I thought the scoring by Carlos Sucre was reprehensible in giving yeah, it that, that way to, to Estrada. But like, like was that the, the fight that Chocolatito gave everything he had left? A rematch with Estrada, a big fight, a chance to put himself on top, arguably once again at 115. Now you got a younger guy in Martinez who may not who won't come in with a size advantage, but he's gonna have youth, aggression, all these attributes on his side. So if I'm Martinez, I'm thinking, look, this guy's an all-time great, but I don't know if he's still that guy after the fight with Estrada. That may have been his last stand. So I think that's a reason for Martinez and people that support him, like Eddie Reynoso and others, to be optimistic their guy can win. Well, I think he would be. And let's remember that several fights ago when when Chocolatito was knocked out after he had lost to that same opponent previously. So Rungvisai a couple times, the thought yeah. was that was the point at which Chocolatito had probably jumped the shark. Clearly, he showed us that was not the case. Um, but there's every reason for them to be hopeful of that. And here's the other thing. So they're stepping to a different weight division. Even if he should have a great fight with Chocolatito and lose, how does that hurt him? Doesn't hurt him at all, really. I mean, it's like, oh my God, then you've now joined the pantheon of all these wonderful lower weight <laughs> fighters who are in these great fights. You're young enough that we can't wait to see what you do next. And I, I can't imagine that it would hurt him. Uh, and, and I think they feel confident that no matter what happens, this is going to be a super competitive and great fight. I don't think they anticipate getting blown out or uh, it could happen, of course, but the, you know, they anticipate a great fight like we all do. So it's, it, it, this is logic because even Chocolatito says, okay, I'm going to keep this a big event. I'm going to challenge myself and I'm the bigger guy. I believe I can win this fight. And Martinez says this, I'm willing to roll the dice on this because there are a lot of reasons why it makes sense to roll the dice. Good for them. Yeah. Martinez wouldn't lose a bit of shine on no, him. He goes back a, down no. to 112, fights a Sonny Edwards or somebody else to Absolutely. unify those belts. Uh, maybe does a rematch with McWilliams Arroyo, depending on what he's ordered to do. And you know, like the, it's, it's an opportunity. You know, we, we, we talked about how it's nice that we're talking about the heavyweights. In recent years, it's wonderful that we're talking about these lighter weight divisions. Mm -hmm. Back in the, the, the Stone Age, when I was announcing in the old days, <laughs> you know, the Paleozoic era, um, <laughs> we didn't, there was so little attention put on the lower weight classes. We'd have stars like Michael Carbajal and people of that nature, but, you know, Donaire and, and, and stuff. But, Anything south of 126, you know, it, it just didn't get enough attention, especially when he got down to 118 and 115, 112. Th those fighters were not given their due, uh, their due. I think we're seeing a little bit more of that now. Uh, and it's great. And listen, the network you work for has 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 shown those fighters, has 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 you know told the world here here are these great guys you know, hbo did it before and the zone picked up the mantle of those weight classes you know we've done it at showtime uh, others have done it 
I think it's it's really really good. Yeah, I mean they they can't miss as far as action. Like you never watch. No, no, they're almost always great fights. Like one eighteen and below, you don't watch one and be like, oh, that was kind of boring. <laughs> no, they're always. Yeah, no, oh, never. They're always crackers. Um, speaking of lower weight classes, Javante uh, Davis, uh, two division title holder, holding one belt right now, a secondary title at one thirty five. He has been ordered to face Rolando Romero. That was a fight that was really scheduled for late last year. Romero, of course, right. had to withdraw after some allegations of sexual assault. Um, he has been cleared uh, by the police in Nevada. So it seems like we're trending in that direction to see Davis against Romero uh, in a rescheduled match. What do you think of that fight? And as someone that's called a lot of Gervonta Davis fights recently, do you think 2022 is the year we get Gervonta yeah. Davis in one of those big fights against Orion Garcia, against Devin really... Cambosis? I really hope so. I, I really, really do. Uh, you know, I listen, they claim that, you know, they've said recently they were trying to negotiate for Lomachenko. How, you know, what you're, you're, you're more of a reporter than I am. That's you not what I hear, Al. I don't, I do not hear that. Yeah. I do not hear that. Right. So the, whether we accept that with a grain of salt or not, the key thing here is it is, you know, boxing always has these litmus tests for the casual uh, media and casual fans that makes them decide boxing is not worthy of their, uh, of their attention because they won't do A, B, or C. This is one of those things. The, the, the idea that it's so hard, it seems, to get some of these top lightweights together. Now, George Cambosis seems pretty willing to fight one of these top Blightways. Good for him. And we did see, you know, uh, Lomachenko and, and Lopez. We need to see, we need to see Tank Davis in those fights. I think it's important for the sport. I think it's important for his legacy. Uh, uh, and, and will only enhance him as a, a business, you know, as a, as a brand. Um, and I hope we see it. I, 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 I'm very, very, and I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful I'm hopeful about the Davis Garcia fight for just a variety of reasons. I think of, of the ones that he, that, that are available to him. It feels like that's the one that's more feasible to me. And I hope if this Romero fight happens, then I hope the very next one would be, would be something like that. Well, I that mean, would be, important. and listen, Isak Cruz, uh, who fought a great fight against Davis, you know, went the distance with him in a very close fight kind of also added to, in my opinion, to some of the drama of all this, because, you know, it, it, number one, he challenged Davis. Number two, we saw Davis respond to adversity because he too was injured in that fight. So that, to me, that all kind of uh, adds subplots to what all these things moving forward. Yeah. And I think it's going to be incumbent on Gervonta Davis to be the one pushing hardest to make that I believe fight happen. I agree. You like fighters, and I talk about this all the time, but fighters need to exercise the power that they have. Um, I agree. And they have a lot of power. Like, you know, I mean, Floyd Mayweather didn't have a boss. <laughs> like he decided who he wanted to fight, when he wanted to fight, yeah. and that was how it went. And look, if you're 21, 22, 23, sure, you you follow the guidance of your promoter. Right. But Javante Davis is 27. He'll be 28 years old this year. It's time to see him in a big fight. Like I, I get smacked, you know, for people saying I'm a Gervonta hater. Leonard Ellerby likes to say that about me. I'm not. 
I think he can – I'm not picking anybody to beat him. I just want to see him in right. these fights. I don't know who wins with Gervonta and Ryan Garcia. Somebody's going to get knocked out. I think that's for sure in a fight like that. And Gervonta's got the pop to stop a Devin Haney, to give a problem to Lomachenko. Right. You just right. – you can't – Al, you can't go another year if it's like Romero and – you know, whatever version of Esau Cruz is available at the end of the year, that just yeah, is just a waste of time. Everybody wants to see him in a fight uh, against one of the top rivals uh, in that weight division. I, you know, I think it's just, it's just a fact, you know, we all want to see that. And I'm very hopeful that it can happen this year. Yeah, so am I. All right, last thing I want to ask you about this weekend, there is a cruiserweight title fight between Tabiso Machunu and Junior Makabu. Now, ordinarily, Al, I wouldn't give a damn about a cruiserweight title fight. I just, I'm not a cruiserweight fan, and not either one of those guys. You know, I, see, I, I actually <laughs> think the cruiserweight division has produced really, really great fights over the years. It's not bad. You're right, the, especially in the world but, boxing. But you Super are right. They, they lack the marquee value oftentimes. Right. I, I loved the world boxing Super Series. Um, yeah, that you was know, fun. They, 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 it established, it built Alexander Usyk. It made him into mm-hmm. a household name in boxing to a lesser degree. Maris Breedis is well-known. Lawrence Acoli is an interesting guy now fighting over in the UK at Cruiserweight. But these two guys, I mean, I I, I would or, I will buy the pay-per-view. I would have bought the pay-per-view because I'm a boxing right. guy, but whatever. But the intriguing part of this is that as we record this, all quiet on the Canelo front. Like a month ago, some people were saying, maybe it's Dimitri Bivol. Then Joe Smith fights. And Jamal Charlo is still lurking out there as a potential opponent for Canelo. Right. Now we have Makabu Machunu and the knowledge right. that Canelo is open and his trainer wants him to fight at Cruiserweight. So as you, like I will, prepare to sit down and watch the yeah. Don King produced pay-per-view, which should be interesting. <laughs> Did you think you're ever going to say that? Were nope. those words again? Not in 10 plus years. Uh, I didn't think I was going to say that. Warren, Ohio. I almost went out there for this. Like I'm just that fascinated by the Canelo aspect of it. But right. Uh, do you look at this maybe as an audition for either one of these guys, but the most notably Makabu, to face Canelo Alvarez? This is just a feeling I have, and it's not born out of a, a lot of super uh, intelligence. I think Canelo's off the cruiserweight idea. I really do. I, I, I really believe that, you know, it's like people send up trial balloons. I think that was a trial balloon by Reynoso and by him and whatever. And I think he's off it. I believe that we're going to see him against somebody in quotes more appropriate. Uh, and I only say appropriate because let's be honest, you know, nine out of 10 boxing fans would rather see him face somebody as a light heavyweight, as a 168 pounder of, or whoever, whether it's Charlo Benavides, uh, better BL, you know, or any, or, or uh, Bivol, who cares? most boxing fans would like to see that. So I, I believe they are off the idea that they're going to do the Chris. So I, I think that this fight does not end up being an audition for, for them to fight Canelo. That's my opinion. Uh, and, and that's just the feeling I get. Um, and that, which I think is really the right thing. And I'm not, you know, it, Canelo can do whatever he wants, obviously. He's one of those, you know, every, every once in a while we have a fighter in that category that can do that. Um, but I just don't know if there's any appetite for for that from fans. And uh, I just don't see it. 
Yeah, the Canelo app. I mean, Canelo, he's the one selling every pay-per-view unit. Like against Caleb yeah. Plant, it was Canelo. Against Billy Joe Saunders, it was Canelo. The 73,000 yeah. fans that were in AT&T Stadium, I can tell you from being there, they were all for Canelo. So <laughs> yes. he's whoever he steps in with, he's the draw and all that. But yeah. I tend to agree with you, um, especially when Canelo said afterwards, after Eddie Reynoso went to the WBC convention and made the pitch, he's like, I don't know who's going to do it. Like, but whatever. I mean, if Eddie wants to staggering. That was shocking to me, (laughs) right? It's crazy. So um, it it feels like Jamal Charlo is the leader in the clubhouse right now. Um, I guess that's fine at this point. I'm disappointed. I've said this before in this podcast that Golovkin Murata didn't happen in December because if Golovkin had performed right. really well against Murata, it would have... Right, that would have given the impetus for him to fight. Yeah, uh, undisputed at 168 versus unified at 160 right. adds another layer uh, to their competition. But um, that being said, I, I don't get the sense right now, and I could be wrong, but I don't get the sense right now he's... I don't get the sense that light heavyweight's where he wants to go at the moment. He will eventually. But, you know, all the talk about Joe Smith, about better Biev, about Bivol. Like, Bivol could have happened already. Like, Bivol would have taken right, that's short right. that money. That's that's an right. easy, easy fight to make. Um, so I, I get the sense, Charles. I, I don't know I don't know who beats Canelo right now. I don't know who even gives him a fight right now, besides maybe better be a, a but go ahead. Yeah. You know, from a competition standpoint, 168 is the perfect weight for Canelo right now. He's not gonna make 160. He's really good at 168 pounds. He's got enough. Uh, he's got enough power for that weight class. His chin, of course, is ridiculous. And even going up to 168 thus far anyway, it's held up now, you know, uh, and even the toughest, what people perceive as maybe the toughest challenge for him, uh, Benavides. Benavides is a terrific fighter. He's not a one-punch knockout artist. Uh, So the idea of one punch knocking out Canelo from him doesn't seem, you know, but of course... That's not what Benavides does. He, he, he throws so many punches and hits you with so many that at the end of the day, it, it wears on you. But uh, I think 168 is just where he should be from a competition standpoint. And I think at the end of the day, that may rule his thinking. Mm-hmm. I think that may be ultimately what tells them, uh, you know, but we, we've talked in, during this interview, we've talked equal amounts about fighters thinking as businessmen businessmen and thinking as fighters and both those factors seem to enter into their decision-making process in this case i think maybe canelo and reynosa as boxing people will figure heavily more heavily into their decision making than as businessmen let me ask you this you've called most of jamal charlo's recent fights his last fight against juan montiel where he went the distance right uh, with montiel how? What kind of odds or chances do you give Charlo at 168 against Canelo? And what have you seen from him in recent fights? Yeah. Montiel was a struggle. It was more of a struggle than I thought it was going yeah. to be for Charlo. You know, I he, listen, I thought his effort, I, I thought Sir, uh, Sergei Dervinchenko fought a great fight against Charlo. He looked just as good, in my opinion, as he mostly as he did in those tough fights with Jacobs and Golovkin when we saw Dervinchenko really perform well. I thought he was almost on that level against Charlo. And the reason I say that is because that was Jamal Charlo's best performance ever. I mean, he, he faced adversity. He fought really well. Now, the following fight, the fighter he fought, 
was better, turned out to be better than people would have anticipated. But then we always ask the question, how much do we lay on Jamal Charlo? Did he underperform in that fight? He won the fight, clearly, but got a much tougher competition. Here's the thing about a Charlo-Canelo fight, to me anyway. Jamal Charlo is a wonderful offensive fighter. He's going to land punches against Canelo. How much, how many, I don't know. Canelo's, by the way, is a better defensive fighter. And you've, of course, very much chronicled uh, Canelo's, uh, you know, uh, maturity as maturation as a fighter. He's a better defensive fighter than he used to be. But he's going to be hit by Jamal Charlo. Can Jamal Charlo do enough to hurt Canelo or land enough of those punches to deal with Canelo's offense? And, and that's the big question. And we don't know, you know, whether Charlo will be hurt by Canelo. Uh, he's moving up in weight, right? Even though Charlo was formerly, uh, or Canelo was formerly a uh, middleweight. Uh, so he wasn't born to 168 pounds. So the, the thing that makes that fight kind of intriguing is we know Charlo will function pretty well on offense and he gets some things done. Can he get enough done to blunt what ultimately ends up being uh, uh, Canelo's huge offensive firepower? Charlo's got a great jab. The, the issue with beating Canelo is that you can't out-jab him. Like you, I mean, you can throw more jabs at him, but you can't win by out-jabbing him. At some point, you have to let the right hands go, and nobody recently has been willing to do it, whether it's Callum Smith, Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant. You throw the jabs, it's kind of safe, and it might be a scoring punch, especially early in the fight, but when he's coming at you, and you know what's coming back if you let that right hand go, uh, it, it's made guys reluctant to do it. So until I see somebody that's not named Gennady Golovkin let the right hand go, uh, I'm just going to be skeptical that somebody's going to do it. Yeah, I think Charlo's the kind of fighter, though, who is likely to at least attempt to do that because of a variety of things. Number one, it's his legacy fight, mm -hmm. period. Uh, number two, he's kind of conditioned to try and do that. And the other, the other thing about Charlo that I'll say is he's not a one-trick pony offensively. He has a very wide arsenal of offense when he uses it correctly, both he and his brother. That's the one of the things you really are, are their strengths. And Golovkin used that to his advantage. You know, he, he has a really good offensive arsenal of a bunch of different punches. So I, 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 your point is a very valid one, but I, I think there could be a couple of ways for Charlo to skin the cat against Canelo. Now, it's a very tough uh, assignment, especially if you're coming up in weight. You've never had a fight at 168 pounds. You know, in the old days, people used to take fights at a weight class until they moved there <laughs> for a major fight. Not so anymore. People just go there and they and they fight people. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, hopefully it, uh, somebody gives Canelo a good fight because he's... Yeah, uh, we want to see that, don't we? We, we want to see, see something like the Golovkin fight. We want to see, uh, you know, fights. Listen, Caleb Plant, I thought, overperformed in parts of that fight and, and demonstrated that he could be a very solid 168 pounder and showed us his improvement but he wasn't on the level that could 
create a super competitive fight with Canelo. Yeah, and maybe uh, not so much with the talking about what a great fight it is during it. That was kind of weird when I saw, when I saw Caleb Plant Pardon? going. Oh, Caleb Plant, you know, the, the on the Showtime after oh, show, right. like when he's like, "This is a good fight, huh?" And I was like, "Yeah, like all right." Well, he was I, well, he he was he was. I was um, weird. I never seen that out. That was weird. Auditioning. Yeah, he was auditioning for a commentary job. There you go. So he's, he's next in line. While, while he was fighting, so you have to give him credit for that. <laughs> Al, always enjoy the conversation, man. Good to talk to you. Hope to see you at a fight real soon. Yeah, okay. I, I know. We're overdue to, to, <laughs> to have a, a cocktail or a cup of coffee. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining me. When we come back, my conversation with Trevor Bryant. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Fight fans, throw your best haymaker with a risk-free bet from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. That is a great deal. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING, and you'll be able to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. FanDuel offers all your favorite bets. Choose from the money line to the method of victory to which round the fight will end and so much more. You can even parlay different fight bets together. The bigger your parlay, the bigger your potential payout becomes. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and is now live in New York. New Yorkers, you don't got to drive to New Jersey anymore to make some bets. You can do it right from your home. The app, it's so easy to use. And when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. To place your first bet risk-free, sign up with the promo code BOXING and make every fight night mean more with the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 
All right, Trevor Bryan is the WBA heavyweight champion. On Saturday, he will defend that title against Jonathan Guidry. That's a fight that will take place in Warren, Ohio, and you can watch it on pay-per-view. Trevor, before I get into the fight and kind of your place in the heavyweight division, I was watching back your media conference call with Don King, and I'm wondering, like, at what point when Don starts talking – do you kind of lose track of everything that he's saying during these conversations? You know, Don King's a historian, man. So just to sometimes enlist, listen to him, you can get lost because he has so much knowledge and so much information. And sometimes even I turn to a fan as well, just sitting there talking to him and listening to him. So, yeah, man, it's, it's funny. I just love to hear that man speak. Yeah, I've, I've been down to his office in Florida a few times. I've done magazine stories on him, like – it's just at some point he's like, I'm not sure where he's going with his conversations. And, you know, I was just laughing, just thinking, watching your conference call it, uh, just vintage Don when he starts talking. I mean, how, how would, how would you describe your relationship with Don King? Um, I have a great, um, relationship with Don. Um, he's my promoter and, and we talk about whatever we need to talk about for the fights and continue my career, my promising career as heavyweight champion. So what, when you look back at, the decision to sign with Don, what went into that for you? Um, as I said in that, that last interview as well, um, when I had my first meeting with Don, um, he basically told us, hey, man, I usually don't sign guys straight out of amateurs. I, mean, I sign guys that's getting ready to fight for titles or in position for titles. So that was something big coming from my city of Albany, New York, of two amateur guys getting signed, me and um, a Mary mom. But um, what got me was when Don King showed me his ledger of all the champions he had, all the former champions, all the heavyweight champions, every champion he had, and all the millionaires he made. And I was like, man, sign me up. Like, I want my legacy to start here. I want to be, be part of this list. And I told him that day, I'm going to be heavyweight champion one day. So give me the contract. I'm ready to sign. Let's, let me put the work in. And that's where it started off. At. When you were coming up in the amateur ranks, um, Becoming heavyweight champion, like when did that dream start to kind of form for you? When did boxing really become a thing that you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Man, it's, it's funny because I started doing this sport for just for fun, like just to let out some inner, inner city steam. And it was like a safe haven for me to go to and not worry about what's going on in actual reality. And um, just going to those that, that, that in that amateur background of just going to those tournaments and fighting all over the country, fighting all international. I mean, I never really thought that, y'all, one day I'm going to become a heavyweight champion of the world. It's, it's, it's funny because meeting all these guys, meeting all these different individual fighters and amateurs, and their father was champion, their uncle was champion, this and that, me just being a kid just, just doing it for fun. And um, it really didn't come to, like, the end of my, uh, my amateur career trying to go to the Olympics where I say, you know what? hearing all these other former champions saying, hey, man, I see something in you, and you could become heavyweight champion yourself if you stick with it. And at that point, that's where I decided to say, you know what, let me see how good my talents are. Let me see how good my hard work ethic is. Let me see if I could do this. And that, that became a dream of mine, to become heavyweight champion and actually see this through. And here I am today. I manifest my own dream into reality. And I'm heavyweight champion. You got to put some respect on my name. So I'm here to stay. And that's where it started. Who was 
when you think about the people that encouraged you along the way, was there one or a couple that kind of stand out that what they said to you really pushed you in that direction? There was more than a few. I mean, different times in my life, different stages in my life, there was a lot of different, like I'll be talking all day <laughs> if, um, if I was to tell you every last individual, but um, the main characters was um, Jamel Muhammad, um, Messiah Muhammad, um, um, my my home coach, um, Kittles, Vincent Kittles, my college coach, um, Al Mitchell, and a lot of other strong um, male figures in my family. But um, just to have all that collective energy for people wanting me to do better in life, um, that's what drove me to, to, to stick with it and to be here where I am today. Al Mitchell, I think a lot of people know. What was his influence on you? Oh, man, I always seen the best out of me, man. And he always used to tell me the truth, man. Like, Trevor, you could be so great. <laughs> Trevor, you can do this. Trevor, you can do that. You just got to – I've always been who I am, man. I've always been a big guy, the big kid off the street, man. And and I really appreciate, appreciate the time that I had with Al Mitchell out there in Marquette, Michigan, at the um, MMU program. And, um, man, Al Mitchell has always been in my corner. Man. He always hits me up from time to time. Trevor, you're doing great. Man. You're looking great, man. Keep, keep continuing to do his thing. And I'll, I'll always be a um, Marquette, Michigan bad boy. So, I mean, shout out to my boy, Al Mitchell, man. <laughs> How does a guy from Albany, New York, like living or being in uh, that area of Wisconsin? Um. Well, well. I then listen, I, I'm from Albany, New York, but I've been in South Florida for the past 10 years, man. <laughs> my bones don't weak, man. For real, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, this cold weather is crazy, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, but um, it, it feels good to actually see the the weather again, and um, like I said, it brings me back those memories from opening New York and Marquette, Michigan, where it snowed for like a whole month straight, nonstop. Like, <laughs> so it, it's great to be back out here in this climate. That uh, that Midwest that gets cold up there for yeah. sure, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, l- let's talk about your situation. You are mixed up in one of the. More interesting, wild situations in boxing. You won the WBA's interim version of the title that you have in 2018. You won the regular version last year, beating Bermain Stavern. That's a title and the title you're going to defend this weekend against Guidry. Uh, as we've been talking, you know, you call yourself the champ. Um, Alexander Usyk would disagree. He would say his version supersedes your version. So tell me what you think of this situation and where it places you in the heavyweight division? Well, you got to understand the um, regular WBA belt is the original belt. The super belt is something something new. I mean, my belt, all the greats have had, you know what I'm saying? And um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue and say which belt is more important, but they put more value on the super belt right now. And Hey, listen, man, I'm a heavyweight champion. I'm coming to collect all the belts. So you say, can say what he wants to say, but once I get in that position where I have to fight him, we'll, we'll, we'll matter that we'll, 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 we'll finish that fact there. You know what I'm saying? But um, like I said, me being a heavyweight champion in the world, I just come to do what I do best, and that is fight and show my ringmanship. So, like I said, I want to fight the best. I'm here for the best. I am one of the best now. And like I said, I'm just I'm ready to to, to further my legacy with, with those great big fights. When with the WBA trying to eliminate belts, and they have done it in multiple different divisions, um, do you agree with that? Do you think it it should be one title holder in you know in that way in that with that in that organization? Well, um, 
again, like I said, the original belt is 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 the number one to me. But um, I feel like it'll be it strengthen the the it'll strengthen up the belts more. Yeah, just having one belt and not having all these, like I said, like one of the previous belts I had. I mean, I think it's great for the of the belts, and they they find that has more value on it. So me with my regular belt, let's let's put me against. Let's make it a uh, uh, make it an undisputed fight. Let's make this thing happen. Like let's 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 get to it. I'm ready to fight Usyk. I'm ready to get whoever. I mean, Usyk is the man. He has my super belt, so I'm ready. I'm ready to go after him. And let's 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 have one belt. Let's definitely have one belt and have that one number crown champion of the world. I'm in for it. Now that's 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 certainly the easiest way to do it to have everybody fight each other and and clean up that mess um, uh, in the ring. Um, you know, you won that title against BJ Flores, the interim title in 2018. Didn't fight again until 2021 for people that don't know like what went into what what was the cause of the long layoff you had where i'm sure you'd be disappointed to lose kind of prime years of your fighting career it was it was a challenge um if people don't know Matt, manuel shaw was the hold up he was the hold up he had he had the regular wba belt since 2017 we, we won that against um alexander Ustinov, i believe right and um he hasn't defended the belt period and it's here we are in 2021 2022 he hasn't defended that belt so I mean, he couldn't make it to the United States back in um, 2020 to um, defend his belt against me. And um, here we are now. I, I, I got the belt now, and he's no more to talk about. Um, I'm just going to further his career from where I'm at now. And let me, like I said, let me get the USEC, man. That's what, I, that's what I want to talk about. Let's get the USEC. I mean, it was two years in the past. I can't talk about the past. I mean, hey, what, what happens, what happened. And it's in the past now. But let's, let's worry about what's going to happen in the future. So – I think people look at your resume, they see BJ Flores, they know him, they know Bermain Stavern as uh, a former champion. Uh, but I think people wonder, how good is Trevor Bryant? Uh, yeah. How good are you? Like, yeah. how, what is the answer to that question? Me, I'm the man. I, I'm, the, I'm the man with the plan. I mean, they can look at my record and say whatever. They want. People in boxing know who I am. You know what I'm saying? Professional ranks know who I am and know what type of what type of fight I bring. It's just for the world to catch up. I mean, it's, that's, that's all it is. And once, once after I get past this this hump right here on coming on January 29th, the rest of the world is going to see because there's some real big names out there for me to um, fight against and showcase my talent against. And these are the best that the world say they are. So after this fight, I'm going to be fighting among the best. And then we'll say after that next fight of Trevor Bryan, you, you talked everything that you said you were. And I'm here to stay. Like I said, I'm here to further this legacy from this point on. Yeah, you've talked about getting that big blockbuster fight in your next fight out, or at least in 2022. What fight is that for you? I mean, realistically, you know, Usyk, Joshua, Fury, they're going to do their dance over the next, you know, whatever number of months. Is it Daniel Dubois? Is it somebody else? Like, what do you see as that big blockbuster fight waiting if you win on Saturday night? Like I said, um, you just mentioned them. Um, Usyk, Fury. Anthony Joshua, these are that they the best. Now you have other guys that's coming up, like Danny Dubois and other former champions like Deontay Wilder. And this is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my! Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA other some other other fighters out there and all that um like i said it's up to the promotion like we want to make these big fights that the promotion the sanction and body feels that will be strong for the title and i'm i'm up for it because naturally we're going to show people what what, what boxing is all about so you feel confident that you will get several fights this year two maybe three fights in 2022 well shit i hope so three goddamn fights that would be <laughs> nice well i ain't gonna lie to you that sure would be nice, but if I if I can get two, I'll, I'll be I'll be satisfied as well. But um, like I said, after January 29th, let's not look past that. We have a hard, strong opponent in front of us, 17 and 0, and um, we're we're gonna get past this. We're gonna get past this, and then we're gonna talk about the next. All right. Well, hopefully, you get that done on the 29th, and then we're talking about you in bigger fights uh, the rest of the year. Trevor, good to talk to you, man. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you. I appreciate it. When we come back, this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. All right, time now for this week's picks brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Before I get into them, I just want to remind everybody that I am now 4-0 and since I started making picks on this podcast. And I haven't just been picking easy winners. First time around, I told you Joe Smith by knockout. That was a pretty easy one to predict. Last week, I told you Bet the underdog, Mark Magsayo over Gary Russell. I told you to pick Magsayo by decision, and that is exactly what happened. So I'm off to a pretty good start is all I'm saying. This week, I am focused on the cruiserweight division, the headliner of a pay-per-view this weekend, Junior Makabu versus Tabiso Machuno. This is a rematch of a really good fight back in 2015 that was won by Makabu by 11th round knockout. And I actually see this fight playing out a lot like that one did. I think it's going to be close in spurts. Machunu is a very solid boxer, has shown good defense during his career, but Makabu is a puncher. And how he knocked out Machunu last time with a straight uppercut that put Machunu down face first on the canvas, I think there'll be a similar shot 
that puts Machunu down. Now, Makabu is a slight favorite in this one. He's coming in at minus 164. Makabu, by knockout, is only at plus 155. So the odds are not great on this one. But I think Makabu is going to be the sharper fighter. And I think Makabu is going to be the more motivated fighter. Because we know that if Makabu wins this fight, there is at least the possibility that he could face Canelo Alvarez his next time out. So if there's any reason for a fighter to be motivated and ready to go, it's that. There is a winning lottery ticket potentially available for Makabu if he wins. I think that's going to focus him, and I think it's Makabu by knockout. That's my pick for this week, brought to you by FanDuel. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Al Bernstein and Trevor Bryan for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. 500 dollars minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.